A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me today is ever Gareth Batty. And on today's episode, we're reflecting on the current T20 series between New Zealand and England, which England should be leading 2-1, but somehow are losing it 2-1 and need to win the next game to keep the tournament alive. So what is it like to be in a dressing room when the collapse is on? Have England learned anything about anyone in this series so far? And does losing really become a habit? We'll find out all of this and plenty more. So keep tuned. You're listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. Well, good day to you. Thanks for tuning in, subscribing, downloading, clicking on a link, doing what you have to do. Uh, I'm John Norman. Gareth Batty, uh, technically... Uh, isn't alongside me, but you know what I mean. I'm in New Zealand. He's back in England. Um, and uh, it's been New Zealand versus England for the last uh, week or so. Three T20s have been played. The score 2-1 New Zealand after England went ahead quite comfortably in the first T20 at Christchurch. Uh, New Zealand, who batted first in all three games, uh, being inserted in and really huffing and puffing their way to 153 for five. And that was chased down pretty easily by England. Bairstow. Um, 35, uh, James Vince, man of the match with 59, and Owen Morgan weighing in with 34. And uh, how good was it to see, by the way, two Surrey boys and two Surrey brothers, Sam and Tom Curran, opening the bowling as they did in the third T20. The second T20, well, that went... uh, uh, New Zealand's way after England won the first one by seven wickets. England's uh, going down this time by 21 runs. New Zealand making a better fist of things in their uh, first innings. 176 for eight. Uh, Martin Guptill, uh, Ross Taylor, Colin de home and also Jimmy Neesham uh, weighing in with some runs. And really, England, who were... Uh, Three for two at one stage. James Vince and Johnny Bairstow going very early. Never really managed to catch up. But uh, good bowling from Chris Jordan. Three for 23. And he also weighed in with 25 off of a single over. Each Sodi going to all parts. But it uh, wasn't enough for England. And it uh, wasn't enough in the 30-20 either. New Zealand winning by 14 runs. But England really shooting themselves in the foot. 
139 for two at one stage, became 149 for seven, losing five wickets uh, for just 10 runs in 18 balls. And despite uh, Darwin Milan top scoring with 55 and James Vince with 49, uh, just running out of batsmen, really. Um, uh, we've seen plenty of debutants along the series and uh, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, Gareth, uh, where do we start? I suppose the collapsing that we have seen from England in test uh, format, ODI format, and also T20 format. I mean, it's uh, is it just a way of modern cricket, or is this a p- particular English problem? Uh, morning, John. Um, nah, look, I, I think it's pretty, it's pretty dangerous to to go over codes uh, to cross over from Test cricket in 2020. It's uh, very much different players, uh, very much at different stages of their careers, and very much a different game. Um, I mean, you look at um, you look at how it all sort of went down today. Um, it's pretty difficult be- for the middle order, I think. You know, they're the ones that'll get the finger pointed at them with the collapse. But I, I think with England uh, going about this series as they are with a lot of youngsters, giving them opportunity, it's very, very difficult in high-pressure situations where you're still needing 9, 10 and over in a format uh, that you semi-used to, but it goes up a notch with the bowling, with the skills, with the thinking. Um international cricket from domestic cricket very difficult you're asking one of your men that's got you in a decent position so today Banton started brilliantly really pleased he made his debut wow he's a wonderful player anybody that that saw the game listened to it wow if you're not excited by that young man go do something else because he is the real deal for me uh, Milan and Vince have shown nice glimpses throughout the series but the one thing I'm going to sort of highlight is Morgan finished it off for England in that first um, ODI and that is why he is a mainstay of England's white ball cricket he took the responsibility to get them to the line and over the line and Vince and Milan we've not seen do it as yet uh, Vince was brilliant in that first game but still got out didn't see it home um, and, and he tried today to be, in all fairness to him he tried to take it deep and then got caught at mid-off taking the right option let's make no mistake about that it was the right option to go over mid-off he was up but he didn't quite execute which makes it so difficult if your in-batsmen have got out to ask a Billings who let's be honest is becoming uh, the amount of games he's, he's more of a senior player got run out today whose fault was that was that him or Vince uh, potential sort of you could point a finger there because that maybe shouldn't happen but then to ask a, a Curran Sam that is then Gregory and Tom to come in and whack him uh, when everybody else uh, you know has got out trying to do that is a massive ask uh, and we saw Jordan play quite nicely uh, in the second ODI to, to make it more respectable for England but you, you marry up the two teams um, England are definitely weaker in that middle uh, period with their batting, their, their strikers compared with New Zealand but let's make no mistake New Zealand are pretty much bearing a couple of players, playing their full strength so they are going to have an advantage over us uh, There's an interesting quote from Darwin Milan after the second T20 actually um and uh, he scored 39 at Wellington. He said, myself, this backs up what you just said. He said, myself, Vincey and Sam Billings have been around the squad for four years waiting for these opportunities. And they're few and far between. And he's absolutely bang on, isn't he? Um, yep. You know, you could argue, Milan, we talked about this on last week's show. Milan, Vince and Billings, they could be battling for one place in that squad when it's uh, named for the World 220 this time next year. And, you know, ineffectual 50s, or they're, they're not going to get you into this first 11, for sure. They're, they're, you're going to struggle to get into the squad. You Once in, as I remember you saying, 
Kumar Sangakara when he was at Surrey he used to impress on, on upon people like Jason Roy. You know, just make sure you're there at the end. You know, that is the key. And unfortunately, Milan and Vince, if they had been there at the end today, England probably would have won, but they weren't. I, I think the one thing possibly that, that we're not fully understanding and recognising is that they're both wonderful players in that first six. They really are wonderful players. They have wonderful touch. They play proper cricket shots. They don't need to take high risk because of their skill sets. They're wonderful. They hit the ball at the top of the bounce. If somebody comes to them full, they whack it straight back over the head. If somebody comes short, they have an ability on a short ball. They can hit your best ball for four, so they're not relying, they're not sweating on a half volley or a long hop. Now, uh, this is where it becomes difficult, and this is 2020 in a nutshell, and maybe this is where our country needs to be a little bit more diverse in selection at times. Um, once you're getting out of those power plays, bowlers are getting more and more adept at hitting the block or different slow balls, different ways of making batters work for their runs, and all the information given to the bowlers on what players are looking to do as their go-to A, B and C is phenomenal. Actually, I, I think it's very difficult for Milan and Vince. They almost need to go back to the counties and buy in the middle order to get more of a power game, to get more of something where if somebody's taking all the pace off for four balls and over and then bowling two rockets for the other two, one at your feet and one at your head, how do you hit a boundary? And I think that is where Vince probably a bit more adept than Milan. But do they absolutely nail those middle and later orders? So actually getting to the end is, is something they can do, but can they affect it when they get there? And Billings, you mentioned him, Milan mentioned him, still a bit of an, an enigma for me. You know, he speaks so well about the game when you, you interview him, he, he fronts up. Um, he, but he's been in and around, as, as Milan said, for a long, long time. T20 and uh, ODIs, he's a vice captain for this, he keeps wicket, he bats, you know, wherever he bats, four, five, six, seven, eight. But the, the stats, they don't back up. And sooner or later, England, as they always do, they're going to move on, aren't they? Yeah, and, and they're so uh, sort of, um, I suppose, overrun with wicketkeeper batsmen in the country. Um, I've just got his numbers up now. He's played 24 matches. Um, he strikes at 138 and averages 16. Now, that doesn't tell the full story, and, and I'm a big advocate of saying 2020 cricket is, is a bit of a nonsense when you're looking at stats. It's all about the impact that you make. You might only have five balls to face, but if your impact is 12 as a batsman mm. in those difficult times, that's a brilliant impact. You're, you're almost a, a first-pick player at times because it's so difficult in those last 10 balls to get, you know, sort of 24 runs. So uh, uh, you've got to look at the little segments of the game and break it down. And for me, that's possibly where Billings is letting himself down. He's had a couple of scores um, in the in the recent 12 months, but they've been scores when he's batted up the order and he's not going to bat up the order when all the big boys come back you know your butlers your roys your roots he's not going to bat up the order so he's actually got to make an effect uh, on the game uh, where he's batting in in this series and that's sort of five six seven um and he's not doing unfortunately um now whether that is he's getting a bit scatterbrained in his mind because he's been around the group for a long time um you know is he thinking this is my chance this is my moment and putting too much pressure on himself and expecting too much rather than more than likely when he goes out and plays for Kent or in the IPL or whatever, he just goes out with a freedom. Um, but it, it's getting to the point England are going to have to make a decision because they need more output. 
Absolutely. I mean, we went through the squad, didn't we, last week? And uh, when you do consider the likes that uh, of Roy uh, and uh, Butler and Stokes and Moeen Ali, of course, Joe Root, Chris Wokes, uh, they're going to be coming back. Um, I mean, forget for Chris Wokes for a second, but, you know, all those other batsmen, you, you wouldn't be what, picking does he Milan or Vince. Does he bat in front of any of those? B- Billings, I don't think he question, does, does he? It? Yeah. No, I don't think he does either. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating. I don't know if you saw much of uh, Parkinson, who uh, played, bowled a couple of overs today. Is there, is there a bit of concern about Adil Rashid's shoulder, by the way? That seems to be rumbling along. Um, there is some murmurings it might be a little bit more serious than uh, than, uh, than than has been led to be believed so far or do you think it'll be okay? No, I think it's something that is, is definitely rumbling along. It is an issue. Uh, it is something they, they want to nip in the bud. Um, but I think when the games are coming thick and fast as they are, as much as it's body, it's resting the mind, um, particularly on, we touched on it earlier uh, when we spoke about it, about New Zealand. Some of the grounds are very small and very difficult for the spinners. So so the spinners, it kind of works for them on some days. We saw Santner with the three for 20 uh, in the second game, I think it was, and ball mm. beautifully. But it was kind of like every big shot early on that they tried to him, he got a wicket. Uh, I think it was Milani got caught at short third man, uh, which gets you off and running. So I, I think it's more uh, um, uh, trying to freshen up the mind as well as getting a, a wrangling on that shoulder. Parkinson, I actually, I, I actually watched his uh, his two overs, his twelve balls, because I was interested uh, to see how he would how he would front up. His numbers were great, um, and he got the wicket. Um, the, the the young lad now then let me get this pronunciation right is it Seifert Seifert uh, Seifert Seifert um, and uh, you know it was it was your traditional sort of twenty twenty dismissal a big reverse sweep bad option to somebody like Parkinson who balls it slowly uh, because you you don't have the pace on the ball in it the ball had gone up out of his hand and he, he did him beautifully it was a it was a nice piece of bowling so you're not going to get your traditional pitch leg and hit off that was nice for him to get off and running my my question further down the line is um, I think it was Degrom who hit a beautiful shot into out over extra cover um, mm. because of the pace that Parkinson balls he allows the batsman to position it gives them enough time to position their bodies to play some of these shots it was the it was the strength of the ball not not always pace uh, that we talk about for spinners it's the strength of the ball if he balls a strong ball it means a lot happens in that last three meters so you get your drop your curve you spin all these things unfortunately if it's not happening in that and the and the batsman has positioned himself like he did Further down the line, I think he's going to get got a bit, and I think that's probably why he only bowled the two overs. I think Morgan was quite smart there. Mm. Why does he bowl so slowly? I saw a uh, tweet from Crickviz saying that in their database they don't have a record of anybody bowling as slowly as he does. So I think he's coming in at 47k or something. Yep. Um, I, I just think it's uh, probably two reasons. One, he's a young man, um, and, and most spin bowlers bowl it slowly until they play through the levels and you know there ain't many that, that run up and bowl it fast um, from a from a young age are you generally taught to get up over the eye line which is partly the coach's issue it's not just about going up over the eye line it's having shape on the ball it's having a strength of ball if you're going to go up and I think this is going to be the the thing that um, Parkinson is going to have to work with um, is, is obviously a, a very good bowler and has very good record Part of that is because he plays at Old Trafford where the ball does spin and they play on big boundaries, particularly square of the wicket. So if he's getting slogged, uh, they hit, mm. they're having to hit massive sixes. He's got protection, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, and obviously county cricketers are not as adept as international cricketers or else they wouldn't be playing county cricket. They'd be in the international scene. 
Well, see, this is the other thing, isn't it? Colin de Grandhomme has played for Warwickshire or the Birmingham Bears for a number of years, so he would have played against a lot of these guys. I thought it was quite interesting. I think he was uh, dismissed by Lewis Gregory, uh, yep. if I'm right. Yeah, he was played around the straight game. when trying to whip it, wasn't he? He did, didn't he? And he was, he did not play, he played straight. It was quite interesting when Gregory came on. And Gregory, uh, he, he took him on actually in the end. It was a, a full toss that was uh, no board. And then there was a, he bounced him, it went over his head and then he, he hooked him for six. Either way, batsmen at international level, they what they they size bowlers up pretty damn quickly, don't they? And I think we saw that from the ground home today. Um, going back to a point you made though, about getting off to a good start. I'm not sure if you saw James Vince drop from the bowling of Pat Brown in the second uh, T20. It was Martin yeah. Gupta, I think. It was a terrible, terrible drop. Stinker. It was the worst of the three. He had two stinkers. <laughs> One was a bit of a hot, pretty tough chance. Oh, really bad drop, but, you know, um, kind of evened up to that, actually, because Tom Curran pulled off a brilliant grab. Um, really, really good. It was very blustery at the, uh, at the cricket ground today. Either way. Um, so, Pat Brown didn't take a wicket in the second match. He did take one today. Um, how, looking at, I mean, we spoke about Matt, about uh, Parkinson. Um, how have you judged how Pat Brown's gone about things? Because, you know, of the three bowlers that have been used, and Lewis Gregory is in as an all-rounder, yep. um, Saqib Mahmood hasn't had the best of uh, games. He's been very expensive. But Pat Brown... Whilst I'm not suggesting he's done enough, uh, certainly looks like he's got something about him. Yeah, he showed glimpses, hasn't he? Um, I think it was the first game he went pretty well, went for about 30. Uh, second game, the Grandholm lined him up. Exactly what you were saying with Grandholm and Gregory today, he'd lined him up and he worked out mm. that um, actually the skill of Pat Brown is to target the stumps, to bow it into the stumps with his normal pace delivery, which is only sort of in the one high-ish 130 so that international level that's not going to scare anybody in fact that's slot um, but he yeah. mixes it up with his slower balls some sort of off cutters that are spinning into the bat and some where he's the side of the hand where he's actually going to go away from the bat I think the Gromdome lined him up and actually just went baseball style and said anything in and around off stump I'm slogging you I'm taking you from mid on right the way around with a beautiful swing of the bat baseball style and took him now, Pat Brown made some really good changes during those games, and he did actually, the, the incident you're talking about up front, um, where I think it was, it might have been Gupta that had taken him a couple of times. But it was a beautiful delivery, actually. It was, it was. especially against a guy that has smashed opponents in limited overs cricket in this country. Yeah, I mean, he's he was cute under pressure there because he's, he's over had gone for best part of 16 or 17, I mm. think, when the drop catch happened. Um, but he still came back and actually got Guptill further down the line. I, I think he's shown that actually he balls in those really tough overs at Worcester uh, and wherever he plays around the world. He balls up front in the first six and he balls at the death. It's the hardest place to bowl. You are going to have some bad days. Even the best of the best have some bad days where you go at tens plus. Um, I actually think he showed a bit of calmness under pressure. More than just one trick in his bag, um, able to adapt that somebody had lined up what his what his A game was, and he had a B game and he had a C game, uh, and I think there's more to come. I, he looks quite calm, quite smart. Mm. Uh, he looks as though he had the bit between his teeth. I, I think um, he would have got. I, it'd be interesting to see what Goffy thought because I think they'd be looking at him, going, "No, no, no. I I, I like what I see here. I think we can work with this." Uh, Mahmood has been expensive though uh, in the last couple of games hasn't quite worked for him yet 
Yeah, no, he's uh, he's going to have that difficult challenge, Mahmood, because he's not very, very, very tall. He's not high six footers. Um, he's going to be. He's got that skiddy pace without being express pace. Uh, he needs to find his international length, which again, somebody like Goffey can talk about. Um, there's a, there's something goes around international cricket uh, where they talk about bowlers who are not particularly tall. They almost slide onto the bat, and the better the wickets that you play on, it becomes harder, um, and your margin for error gets less and less and less. Whereas the taller bowlers still keep a reasonable margin for error because of the actual bounce they extract. Uh, so it's not just about pace for him. I don't think his pace is extreme, so I don't think he's going to do people for that. Um, it's just a question of you know he he needs a bit of time and a bit of uh, opportunity to learn, and he'll be better for playing those two games to understand that he's got to he's got to just zone in his skills and and hone them a little bit more. Absolutely. How, how great was it though to see the two current boys opening the bowling for England, um, and in another life, of course, Chris Jordan, who's also done really well in the first couple of games. Uh, we could be looking at three Surrey players that um, they, they're just showing. I know that Sam Curran made his debut in this series in T20s, but, you know, that, that's not quite where he is as a player. But they just look so assured, don't they? They know their games. They're confident. They're, they can execute the plans. And even in the the, uh, the the game today, where, you know, Guptal in particular had worked out kind of the lengths and lines that they were bowling the first T20 and was trying to uh, change things around and was, you know, he got off to a much better start today. You know, these these guys, they are absolutely top internationals now and they've come a long way in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's start with Sam. He, he took the first ball of the day. Uh, look, he just, he keeps surprising everybody. He goes from strength to strength. Um, you know, people didn't expect him to do what he did a couple of seasons ago against India in that beautiful summer where he played so well. Then he mm. didn't play a lot of the Ashes, but he just keeps coming back. He keeps learning. He keeps observing. Uh, the IPL experience for him was absolutely phenomenal. He came back a different, a different man again. You know, he's he's not a boy anymore, and he hasn't been for a couple of years. He's he's getting more and more. Um, uh, confident with his game and what he's going to do the, the one question mark was you know his, his batting was accelerating nicely was his bowling being left behind <laughs> no way uh, this series is proving that Tom goes around the world and plays all different sorts of competitions now overseas player in the big bash is a big thing for an English player to do well and he signed a three year deal he's getting more confident um, and he is uh, the next cab off the rank, um, you know, in that England ODI winning uh, World Cup team that didn't play. Um, he's waiting in the wings and every opportunity he gets, uh, he doesn't let down. He's got great plans, great understanding of, of white ball cricket in general. He's developing his batting. And then you go to Jordan, um, who for me, there was a small question mark going into this series. You know, does he do enough? Um, and he's shown, oh, no, he, he does enough and some. He overtook Graham Swan uh, in the wicket-taking list, so he's now second behind Broad. Um, I, I, you know, he's he surprised me, and he some spells I've watched him bowl in the series. I, I think, oh, he's he's going to get met here. They're lining him up, bowling, you know, that sort of not real wide, that just outside off stump where where normally you're saying the batters are going to line you up. Do you know what? It's brilliant. He's proving he's proving me wrong for sh- for sure, and other people because that's probably where you need to be to the New Zealand batsman because majority favour the leg side, whether you're right or left-handed. Uh, and he's worked that out. He's got it just outside the eye line on that sort of fourth off stump. So fair play to him. He's, he's done. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Brilliantly. Brilliant stuff. Well, uh, yeah, there are two teams involved in this uh, contest. Uh, and New Zealand uh, played a bowler today, Blair Tickner, who uh, I, th- I thought he, he very much impressed. Took uh, two wickets, two for 25. Um, he got the wicket of Banton early on and then came back at the death as well and, and bowled very well throughout. And um, Talk Sports' very own James Savindra caught up with uh, Blair just to ask him about his unusual passage from uh, Australia via England to the New Zealand international cricket team. Yeah, well, when I grew up in Aussie, I obviously wanted to play over there for Queensland and um, get the opportunity, but um, never really did. So I had a couple of years in England, went to Cambridge my second year. Um, and then after that, I just went back to New Zealand and just had one last crack. And um, yeah, it took me a few years to become professional for the Central Stags. But um, yeah, that's no, all blossomed from there. And in terms of the experience playing in England, how much of a, a benefit was that? Because obviously it's not just on-field stuff. You're learning quite a lot off the field and, and there's quite a lot to, to living in London. And as you say, living in Cambridge as well. Yeah, well, yeah, I was 18, 19 when I was over there. Um I learned a lot, um, just growing up a lot, and luckily my brother was there at the start. But um, yeah, that and also the cricket was really good, just to um, learn my trade a little bit more. And over the years, I've got a lot better at playing in England and now um, better at playing in New Zealand. I mean, how much credit can English cricket take? Because do you think you'd be in the position you're in now if you didn't have all those different seasons playing for different clubs, meeting different people working with different players over the course of the last six years? Yeah, I think he's a little bit of credit to England with the um, taking me in, obviously, and talking to other players. I love to talk to other bowlers and learn what they do, and I still do that today with even the Black Caps guys. So, um, no, a little bit of my career has always 
part of England and New Zealand's a massive part of what happens now and I would never forget the time over there. And in terms of the Black Claps now, you look, look at some of the, the iconic players. I mean, Tim Southey's captain of this current series. Is he someone you, you sort of look up to and, and someone I imagine years ago you'd have been watching him on TV and now he's your captain in this T20 series? Yeah, he's been um, around for a long time now. So um, he obviously bowls at the top for us and he's yeah, a really good role model for me. Um, back in the day, I used to love watching Shane Bond um, bowl really quick for us for New Zealand. So, um, yeah, he's one of my idols. But, um, yeah, I love playing alongside him. And, yeah, it's a dream come true, really. So what do you think has been the, the, the key, I guess, because there's so many people that obviously want to play for the Black Caps or they want to play for the All Blacks in rugby, but but what do you think separated you from the rest? Because you're 26 now, so it's not like you've been getting opportunities from when you were very young. You've had to work very hard for the last few years. Yeah, it has been a long, long trot, but um, yeah, I think it's just I'm a little bit different to some of the other guys. I'm a bit taller and hit the deck. Definitely, a lot of New Zealand bowlers over here um, tend to swing the ball, and I'm just more of a hit the deck bowler, so try to do um, extra off the seam. So yeah, I think I'm a little bit different to them, and hopefully that gets me into the side and um, keeps getting me picked. Really. And in terms of you, you talk about yourself as a bowler there a bit. Is that where you see yourself T20s in the limited overs format, especially for New Zealand? I guess. Yeah, well, I've done um, well in um, first-class cricket in New Zealand over here playing 2020 cricket. So that's mostly um, what I've done well in and also one-day cricket. So I don't really see myself playing test cricket anytime soon unless um, I play really well. So I'm not really um, thinking too much about selection. Um, I just kind of play and have fun and selection kind of does its own job. And um, if I play for New Zealand, I'm pretty stoked too. And in terms of making that debut against India and think about your first international wicket, it must have been quite an incredible few days. Firstly, when you hear you're getting called up for the squad and then then when you're told you're going to make your debut, what was that like when you found out you were going to make your first appearance for New Zealand? Yeah, it went pretty quick. Um, got announced and then I was obviously only involved in the third game, but I went to Eden Park to watch the boys um and I was part of the squad then, and the crowd was packed out. And I just remember when Toby came out, you couldn't even hear yourself um, think. And then we went to Hamilton, and in a couple of days I was playing, and just yeah, the whole game went fast, and it was just an awesome, awesome for me and my family over the years to finally play for the Black Caps. But um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I mean, it must be incredible for your family. I mean, I was there four years ago when we thought you were going to make your first class debut so we got the uh, the ferry over down to the, the South Island they've played a massive part of your whole family in, in getting you to this stage and, and having a platform for you to be able to do what you're doing now yeah it's funny because um, we're in Nelson again uh, now and um, they're jumping on the ferry again to come over and see the Black Caps play this time yeah and last time uh, yeah I just couldn't get the game I was running water so um, hopefully this time I don't have to run water and they can come the old six-hour trip, they can get to come watch me play some cricket. But, um, yeah, no, they've been a massive part of uh, my uh, cricket career and I owe a lot to them. And in terms of this series for New Zealand, obviously it's the, the first T20 series really in the build-up um, for England, especially into into the next 
World Cup. Is that the focus now? Because we had the incredible 50-over World Cup final. But is that the focus for the Black Caps at the moment, building a team that, that can compete again in a tournament? Yeah, I think so. I think um, they're going to try different combinations throughout the, the year. And um, hopefully I'm a big part of that. And hopefully... Um, we can yeah, get the combination right for the World Cup. I think that's what every team is going to do. They're going to try things and um, try different ways of playing the game, but also uh, changing up their uh, their team. So, yeah, hopefully I'm part of that for the long run and um, play an Aussie for the World Cup. And what do you make of the England team at the moment? Because a few players have been rested because of the World Cup and the Ashes series as well. But there's, there's plenty of players in that team that have played really well in the, the T20 blast here. Yeah, well, it's like us. Um, uh, some of the players, well, me included, have played a lot of um, Super Smash over here, the 2020 competition. And um, yeah, I think it's good to get the younger guys coming through, or the guys that have played well in that competition because they deserve it. So um, I'm pretty much the same as them coming through. So um, yeah, just excited to see how they go. And yeah. It's going to be a good good uh, competition. Blair Tickner talking to James Savundra there. It's uh, fascinating uh, just listening to that. And, you know, Tickner comes in a lot older than a lot of the debutants uh, that are making uh, trying to make a claim for themselves for England. But, you know, is there, would you say in your experience there's a, um, I don't know, is there a, for, for a batsman or a bowler, is there an optimum time to make your debut for uh, for your for your team, for your international team? I and mean, obviously you get some absolute freaks out there, you know, Alistair Kirk or Joe Root or, you know, you do get guys that very young just take to international cricket straight away. But, you know, as a bowler, or as a spin bowler or a pace bowler or a batsman, would you say that there's a an age where you'd say is probably the right time to get your first uh, taste of international cricket? No, I, I, I actually think um, it's very dangerous putting an age on it because, um, you know, we, we see Imran Tahir probably getting better and better. He's 40. Uh, this mm. fellow uh, has, has travelled the world. Uh, he's, he's a seasoned cricketer in all different areas of, uh, of the world, so on different surfaces against different players. Each country plays slightly differently. Um, I actually think the optimum time to get selected is when you are in full control of your skills and you back your skills and you've got more than just one plan, particularly in the short form of the game. You need a plan B and C. Um, and he looked to me to have some pretty good plans and uh, he seemed confident. Um, he seemed to know what he's, what he's about. Um, he spoke pretty well there. So, uh, look, I, I think you bang on that this is probably optimum for him. Uh, but, um, you know, you can't say that that 27 is the optimum when you've got Sam Curran who got picked at 19-20. That was optimum for Sam. So it's um, everybody's different. Human beings are, are weird weird creatures. Everybody's wired up slightly differently. I think uh, you just hope that there's somebody uh, on the selection panel or coaches that are, that are looking at people and either giving them more time before they get selected or just getting them in there because uh, they will thrive. How important or how much relief do you have as a as a guy that's coming towards the end of your um, playing career that you did experience what it's like to play international cricket? I, I think it it puts perspective on everything, doesn't it? Um, uh, you know, it's it's the one thing I dreamt of doing. Um, so whenever that day is that my boots are hung up for me, um, I'll be happy. And 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 that was my problem. Um, my problem was I made my debut for England and then it was kind of like, right, where do I go from here? I never mm. thought about playing 100 test matches or, or this, that and the other. I just wanted to play a game for England. I wanted to make my debut. 
And I think that was my problem. I didn't readjust uh, my sites. I was a late developer as well. Um, but I think standing you in good stead moving forward uh, to have experienced it, to see the difference, to understand uh, the different scrutiny that you're under, to understand that it's not just one overseas or two overseas or four good players in the team. Generally, you are nine quality nailed-on players. And then you might have a debutant who, who's the, the unknown or you might have uh, a youngster who's a bit of an unknown. Um, but uh, there's no hiding place in international cricket, whereas in all f- other forms of the game, domestically, there certainly is. There's, uh, so there's two matches left in this five-match series. Uh, Owen Morgan was asked after the game whether England having to, to need to win on Friday at the fourth T20 at Napier, whether they're going to play their strongest available side. And it was quite interesting. He said, no, not quite. They will play close to their strongest side. So, you know... The you know we've seen this in in all walks of uh, professional sporting life. It's it's not about winning the little battles, is it? England want to make sure they are bang on where they want to be for the World T Twenty next year. So even if they go down in this series, they will take from it. Um, if a Banton comes off, you know, if he plays ahead of Bearstow, I'm not sure Milan's going to play on on Friday. So um, they're uh, they're looking at the long game and. I don't think you can really criticise them for that, even if they go down 3 or 4-1 in this series. No, absolutely not. No, there's no criticism levelled at uh, this series whatsoever. Um, uh, the only criticism that, that you could possibly have was the second game, the fielding was was not good. It's not the mm. drop catches, it's everything. We just looked a little bit sluggish, and I, I'm sure that um, Chris would have looked at that, Chris Silverwood would have looked at that, and he'd have been disappointed. So in his own way, he would have wa- wanted a reaction and worked on that, and, and we got it today. You know, The boys looked sharp, they were good. Um, it's a bunch of young lads coming together with a, f- with a sprinkling of uh, senior players, and we didn't have Bairstow again today. So you know, at least with Bairstow and Morgan, you're kind of saying, and George, and you're saying, well, at least you've got one up the top, one in the middle and one near the end. You've got a bit of stability. Uh, that wasn't the case today. It was, it was even less stability. Um, so, look, I, I think moving forward, they'll be looking at a couple of places. Morgan will be certainly looking at a couple of places that are open where we've discussed who could be in squads and so on and so forth. He will have a part of the game where England are not covered off or he's worried about and he will want one of these lads that's out there now, whether it be a Vince, Milan, a Banton, um, a Parkinson because of Rashid's shoulder, whatever it may be, he will be wanting to see what he's got behind his 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 main men, or to fill a gap that he feels they're just missing. They're just missing a tiny bit, and uh, he'll be getting a lot from this series, and Ingham will be. Um, there's nothing better than having a bit of a look at people over an extended period. Get them around the group. You see the ups, the downs. It's more how you deal with the downs than the ups. It's very easy to be confident after taking a five for or getting 50. Uh, but how you come back from uh, what Brown did uh, in the second game after a bit of a pasting came back beautifully. And uh, those are the guys that you want around. Those are the guys that are going to make a difference when it matters. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, matey, uh, uh, lots of love and thoughts with you over the next uh, week or so because uh, it, promises, it promises to be a big one for you. Get your sleep <laughs> in and uh, we will talk very, very soon. Uh, it's going to be pretty uh, entertaining for England over the next week or so. Not only do they play T20 cricket on Friday night in Napier and in Auckland on Sunday, 
Darren Goff arrived here today and texted me going, where do I go out for something to eat and drink? I don't work for the PCA, so I'm not sure why he's texting me. <laughs> uh, either way, you go well, mate. I'll chat Cheers, to you on the chat here. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the following on podcast on TalkSport. Subscribe and review on Acast or iTunes. And uh, we will be back at the end of the 5 Max series, and I'll be heading up to Whangarei. Uh, to spend time with Goffey as he starts his new job as uh, the bowling consultant for England, temporarily, of course. But thanks very much for listening, and uh, hopefully you'll join us again soon. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 